Can't think of a better way to celebrate our 90th podcast than to have our announcer, Adrian Lee Borden, and her fiancé with us. This is fun. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thank you, Adrian. And thank you, Adrian, in person for being here today and with Eli Olson, her fiance. Uh, we welcome both of you to our podcast you said it's our 90th it's hard to believe time must fly when you're having fun huh how about that 90 podcasts well 89 that we've done and this will be 90 so uh, we've been at it for a while now and and what we thought we'd do today since they're here visiting is we would ask our guests adrian and eli to give us their perspective on our crazy adventure or uh, whatever you want to call it that we've embarked on with our sustainable lifestyle and organic gardening um, and anything else that they've noticed that we're doing that seems a little strange. Well, thank you. We're happy to be here. Yes, we are. Uh, This is my first time here. So uh, yeah, I'm very happy to be here. (laughs) We are. We're enjoying Alabama and the heat. Uh, Despite the heat, we're enjoying Alabama. Um, I already have sort of a perspective on you crazies, but um, I would like to hear what Eli thinks about it. Um, and I, I just have a couple of questions to ask you guys, but um, I'll go first. Um, what is the status of the lodge that you're building that you were going to wait until you had had one season, one season of, you were going to wait until you had lived in the apartment for an entire year before you broke ground on the lodge because you wanted the plans to be finished and accurate to what you wanted for sustainability and the like. And we ended up waiting that long and a little more. Um, it's been probably, we, by the time we broke ground, it was a little over 18 months since we'd been living in, in the apartment. Is that correct? Is that your, your, your recollection? I guess that's correct. I mean, I was, uh, I'm, I'm willing to trust your judgment. That sounds about right. Yeah, because we started in June. And uh, so the status is, and some of our previous podcasts have covered the first part of this, that uh, we act now have a storm cellar slash safe room slash root cellar completed. And um, actually, I could use a progress report from what happened today from Lee about what's happened since then. Well, today, the guys came from Rodney Griffith and poured two loads of shot in the void left around the storm shelter and root cellar, and it went very smoothly. Uh, We have shot all the way around the the building now and the next step is for me to put shot in the places where we couldn't get the dump truck and I'm going to do that with a wheelbarrow and a shovel most likely. It's going to have to be hand work. That that part's too bad but at least we are making progress and I'm glad to be able to report that to you and I guess after that we'll be able to um, have some construction started on the actual pole barn after he finishes um, the earth moving when I say he Rodney Griffith. That's right. Bill Morgan and his crew are due here uh, a week from yesterday on the 11th. So we better get it in gear. I have a question. You didn't mention that the shelter is also a wine cellar. I thought that was part of the deal. Oh, it is definitely. We um, not Maybe wines that we purchase, but also wines that we make from our very own muscadines, blueberries, and 
who knows what else we might make wine out of. Uh, let's see. Could we make wine from blackberries? Yeah. We yeah. Wine from blackberries. Might be pretty sweet, though. Yeah. Okay, some people drink it. Um, and we are not pissed that you're going to make a wine cellar out of where we could be trapped one day. No, we are not. <laughs> or in the British sense of the word, nor are you pissed. <laughs> nor are we. Well, you know, at some point we will be able to to call this a wine cellar. At this, I guess, right now, I'm reluctant to count our chickens before they're hatched. We don't have enough fruit to be talking seriously about wine yet, but we certainly hope one day we will be able to. Well, I had assumed that y'all would put wine that you already have down in there as well and to store. Absolutely, well, yes. That's true. We we do have some wine that. We've bought at the store, and we could store it there. Okay. How far is that from your barn? Mm, 150 feet or okay. so. Okay, so it's not Maybe too less. far to go for a bottle. No, not far at all. Okay. Um, what's going on with the pig? You know what? We, we probably wouldn't store every bottle of wine there. We probably would store wine there uh, that is needed for long term, and we probably would have five or six bottles with us in the barn and pull from them. So we'd probably bring down six or eight bottles at a time from the wine cellar and have them down in the barn. Okay. That would be my guess. That makes sense. Yes. Tell us what's going on with the pear orchard. Well, how about if I tell you what's going on with the orchard in general? That'd be great. Um, we have um, had a nice orchard expansion in the, in the spring uh, and our listeners are, pretty familiar with what's going on there, how many plate trees we planted and so forth, but it's all going fairly well. You know, the problem we've got with the orchard, as we do on Veg Hill, is that we've had all of this heat in June, and it has stunted the growth of a lot of what we're trying to do on the orchard and on Veg Hill. So even though the trees are not dead, they're just not growing the way we would like. Um, but, you know, I think that'll change. But we've got two dead persimmons, and we've got one dead muscadine, and we've got a couple of dead thornless blackberries, and a couple of dead blueberries. What do you do with a dead tree like that? Cuss at it, um, and eventually we will pull it and replace it. Oh, a dead fig. What, um, what yeah, is we the, got a dead fig, too. What is the primary repercussion of cussing at a dead tree? You just generally feel better after doing it. Um, it's just one of those things you do for attitude adjustment more than anything else. We're curious how many listeners you have here at Longleaf Breeze, and if you know of any of them, and, you know, I don't know. It would, it would just be cool to know how many people listen to your podcast. I really don't know the answer to that, and I wish I did. I think we do have a couple of friends who let us know when they are listening or we get feedback about it, and, and um, I won't call names here because someone might feel left out, but we do appreciate those people who have contacted us either on Facebook or in um, comments on our blog, and um, we try to engage in a dialogue with those people, and we really uh, enjoy that. And, and we also, for those who are doing their own growing and sustainable practices, we always like hearing about what they're doing as well. Sometimes we kind of get into a little dialogue about that. What would you like to add? Nothing. I agree with everything you just said, that it, 
feedback's a gas. We love to hear from folks who are listening to us and, and hear what they're going through. And it's always fun to hear from people who are, who are listening to the podcast and who write in or call in to tell us what they're doing. Well, I know that I, uh, I met a friend at a dance show the other day who I had encountered before years ago. And I told him, you know, he's going to be stationed. He's in active duty. He told me he's going to be stationed in Montgomery. And um, when I told him my parents were organic farmers, he said, oh, my gosh, I have to get their contact information. It's good to know that I can get organic food down there. I was like, well, we'll have to talk. You know, I would really <laughs> like him to get a chance to come see the farm, you know, yes. because it's not just your run-of-the-mill farm, you know. Um, and, that's true. you know, you were telling us about your friend Dan Anda, and we were, you know, thinking that's really interesting to – and we might move there for a year, so yes, <laughs> it might be cool yes. to. Have Maybe a that is one person we should single out is Leah Hobbs, who contact, contacted us in response to the podcast, and uh, so I will shout out to her down under, as you put it. Um, and I, yes, I did uh, tell Adrian and Eli about the snakes that you've encountered on your property. They are coming in with their eyes wide open. So more about that. Um, and, and so that's the kind of relationship, though, that I do like to see coming out of this. As for your friend who's going to be stationed at Maxwell, I assume it's Maxwell in Montgomery, um, he'll be glad to know that there's an entire uh, new farmer's market down that, well, it's, it's a, you know, that, that's coming, and we can tell him more about that if he wants to purchase foods. We are, our listeners know that we're strictly um, all about just our own subsistence, subsistence and uh, sustaining ourselves and hoping, therefore, that we don't deprive anybody else of food. I think if others were depending on us for food, they might be very sad indeed. <laughs> with the dead trees, with the dead trees. Around. Yes, although that was a, that you know that's such a small number of dead trees in comparison to what we planted. I feel pretty good about that. But I have to say, our challenge right now here in the heart of the summertime is what do we do with all this food? I mean, you, you have to agree with me. We've got more food from Veg Hill than we know what to do with. Well, maybe this would be an opportunity to turn the tables and ask you guys a question, which is, yes, day before yesterday, we took you to the farm and said, we need you to help us harvest. Were you surprised that we had that much? We were surprised. There were so many tomatoes that we had to make fried green tomatoes today. But and they um, are wonderful. They're delicious. Yeah, we had a great time eating fried green tomatoes. Yes. Um, we haven't finished I was, I know we are so not through that pile of fried green tomatoes, but, but I was pleasantly surprised and, uh, and I, I would like to hear what Eli thought too. Well, I think the, the first thought I have is just being surprised that there were certain vegetables that seemed so small and you guys said that they could be harvested in a couple of days and not being a farmer or really a part of that at all. I was, I was thinking, well, this is going to be going to take longer than that, but apparently it doesn't. You know, so uh, you probably had a lot of podcasts about that before, so I don't want to ask too many questions oh, about how yeah. that. But um, just like, how, yeah, how quickly those things come up. and Yeah, th this is the time of year when you um, almost have to be on Veg Hill daily because you'll see a squash or a zucchini or a little pod of okra. Or a cucumber. Golly, the cucumbers are coming out the wazoo. I love cucumbers, I'm though. I'm glad I got you so do. Excited. Eat some cucumbers, please. Be, what is a, for the listeners out there that don't know what it is, what is a wazoo? <laughs> we don't grow <laughs> those at Longleaf Breeze. Coming out you have it. to pay for those, and we're trying to restrict our off farm <laughs> expenses. So. But, but he's right. It's the growing season, and 
we have it under drip irrigation and thankfully we've finally been getting some rain. So right now, if you if we're not seeing some pretty rapid growth at this moment, we're in trouble. Would you agree? I would agree. Well, I have a question. I got a sort of a broader question about when you first decided, you, you read some books, you were looking at the overall picture of the economy. Um, I guess the question is, how did you make a decision to do this? How did you come to that decision to say, we're not farmers, um, but there's something important enough about this issue that we want to dedicate our lives to? <laughs> and was it a, like a generational, it? like was it, you know, I'm sure it was really involved, but what, what was there a one particular thing where you went, all right, this is it. This is the reason why we're making the switch. This is the reason why we're going to do all of the work that's coming. Well, I think the reason maybe why you want me to start is because, as we may have mentioned in some previous podcasts, we kind of came at this from two different points of view, but they were complementary. Um, and mine was being a tree hugger, um, a very concerned environmentalist, and believing that we just can't keep going on living the lifestyle we were in terms of power usage, energy usage, um, resource depletion, et cetera, and wanting to learn more, to live more sustainably in that respect. Um, I also wanted to live out in the country, and as the um, development, the suburbs closed in around us, um, where we lived in Birmingham, I said, this is, I, I want very soon to get out of this and live in the wide open spaces. Now, what about you? Okay, you you talked about why you came, came to this and why it made so much sense to you, and I guess I'm supposed to say why it made so much yes. sense to me. I think for me, it was a, an awareness that our in advanced industrial society has piled abuse upon abuse and has reached the point where it is increasingly brittle. And so brittle, in fact, that I now believe it's virtually certain that there will be a significant decline in our industrial society. So Amanda and I set out to become more resilient, um, more able to withstand the shocks we think are coming in advanced civilization. And I, you and I can talk some more about that sometime, Eli, and, and I'll lay out for you more of what scares us about what's coming. Yeah, because I'm sure you guys on the podcast talk about a lot of very positive things about what, what's coming for you guys individually, but yeah, I would, I would like to be in that conversation where you discuss what negative things you see happening in general which is what you mean, right, Dad? Yeah, we have to keep Ed, we have to keep reminding our listeners of this and keep reminding each other. Mom and I are pretty positive people generally. We tend to be optimistic about life in general. And frankly, we're optimistic about our future. We're optimistic about the future of you and Eli and the, the future of our son Joe and his wife Michelle and our grandson Smith. We're not optimistic about civilization in general, about the, the, the ability to keep doing business as usual. We know that's going to change. Mm -hmm. And I think one reason that I'm optimistic is that when I think back, this is only the third year 
of my entire adult life or any part of my life in which I've ever planted food and now I'm harvesting basket full, baskets full. So it makes me feel a little bit positive. Maybe I have not that much reason to be positive, but it's better than it was. Absolutely. And I, I mean, like, I always reflect on all the work that you guys do and how much it's already paid off and it will continue to pay off. And I completely tip my hat to you guys. Well, thank you. Well, I would say that coming from the city and here, visiting here for the first time and seeing what you guys have done on Veg Hill and the Orchard, it's a tremendous amount of work. And you probably don't, you know, you've just seen it grow so gradually that you don't see, I mean, coming That's upon true. that and seeing that is just, I mean, that's a ton and that's a lot of work. Well, I appreciate your saying that, and uh, I'm going to disagree with you. I think no one knows how much work we've done except Lee and Amanda. Mm -hmm. We know how hard we've worked. We know how many hours we've been out there and, you know, chipping away at it and how many frustrating discussions we've had when Amanda came in and she says, it's supposed to be fun while we're doing it, and this is not fun. And I am referring mm. to weeding, yes. Oh, mama. <laughs> and killing squash bugs. That's not fun. Or vine borers. Or but having them attack your crops in the first place. Exactly. But our covenant is when we find something that's not fun while we're doing it, we'll say, okay, let's stop and figure out a better way to do this. And I think we've been, you know, more or less faithful to that. That is part that's of your true. mantra. The, the announcer says so. Yeah, it's got to be fun while we're doing it. <laughs> and we don't make all the statements. You got it. Um, I was going to ask you guys, um, since we went to that organic farm years ago in California, and we had, saw those smelly, <laughs> gross, um, you know, things eating themselves, whatever, in that oh, oh, shed. Oh, you're talking about Rincon Vitova. The, yes. They sell... Um, organisms to use for pest control yeah yes. so what now. has how have your thoughts about that kind of the nature of organic farming how has it changed since that visit to that farm where i remember the beautiful sunflowers and everything else was kind of gross <laughs> well it's funny i had completely forgotten about the sunflowers because there have been days that when i saw some damaging critter or bug on my crop, I thought, I wish I had, I, I wish I knew what that insect's predators were, and I wish I could import some to take over and kill, you know, like, like the Carolina grasshopper or whatever it is that's eating the leaves of some uh, bean plant. So that, I do think about that experience sometimes, and I enjoyed that, that outing. I didn't realize that we would be this fully into this, to the growing aspect this soon after that. And I see our time telling us we're almost out of time, but I, I have um, a perspective on that as well. The, the good folks at Rincon Vitova have a great deal to offer people who are in a monoculture. Because if you're growing 20 acres of cantaloupes, let's say, and you've got a particular pest that's after your cantaloupes, you've got to deal with that. Mm -hmm. We have a completely different approach where we've got a little of this and a little of that. And as a result, we're not all that vulnerable to any one pest. As, as frustrating as squash bugs are, they're not going to make us starve, you know. Um, Hopefully not. So 
I guess that's what I've learned since we were at Rincon Vitova. People like us who are subsistence farmers have less to fear from pests than people who have who are growing a whole lot of one crop. Oh, because if it gets Good into point. one crop and spoils it, that's it. You're done. That's it. Yeah. So well, I'm glad you guys aren't in that position then. Well, as Lee mentioned, we are out of time, but we want to thank Adrian and Eli for coming yeah. and joining us today. Thank you and uh, offering them their sincere and honest appraisals and questions about what we're doing. And we hope that you'll come back soon. Anytime, we'd love to. And in the meantime, Adrian, get us out of here. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.